I have these friends, Dan and Sheila. I actually they're podcast hosts. Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And we are back for our tragically final episode of talking about Cop Rock. A show that is, and I mean, we say this every week, and it remains true, so much better than we remembered. No, I know. that That's what always stuns me, right? Is like, that it's so much better than I remembered like, it. We remembered it as being like this unfairly maligned classic, and it's better than we remembered. Yeah. How often does that happen? Uh, not very often. Yeah. Not oh, my often. God. So good. But yes. All right. Uh, let's just dig right into it. We're tragically almost out of episodes. Uh, so episode nine opens with a ceremony giving a, a little song about people getting the Medal of Valor. Yes. And this is slightly odd to me, right? Uh, because one of the, like, two of the people getting the, uh, the Medal of Valor are Vicky and... Oh, God, why can I never remember her partner's name? So terrible. Well, we do remember his real name. Well, yeah, but that's not the important part. <laughs> uh, but, like, so you get a Valor because some guy got confused and, you know, half-dropped his gun and accidentally shot you in the leg? And the answer is, yeah. Well, but, but the important part is, uh, the important part, of course, is that the chief gives a speech where he says that, uh, you know, essentially, uh, Vincent LaRusso also deserves a Medal of Valor for gunning down that cop killer. Jeez, eh? Yep. I know, right? Uh Come on, Chief. But I mean, it's, uh, it is explicitly based on Daryl Gates, and this is how Daryl Gates was. Yeah. Even though we don't remember Daryl Gates now. Like, militarization of police, police openly as a gang. Like, that's all him. Andy Campo. I looked it up. Okay. Officer Andy Campo. There you go. Right. And so, of course, he's not happy about it, but he's going to have to make a public apology. Meanwhile, speaking of Vicky and Andy, uh, she has decided she needs a new partner. Because if she's going to make things work with her husband, she's got to, quote-unquote, break up with Andy. And it's her only choice, and there you go. So she goes and she requests a new partner. <laughs> Which is going to turn out great for everybody. Bad move, bad move. But I, she's trying to save her marriage. Exactly. And that's like, if her husband is going to be this way, like, she's got to, she's got to do her part. Not that her husband is doing anything. <laughs> oh, oh, not, oh. not that he's do it feels the need to do any work on the relationship or himself. But anyway, like, we're not going to talk about our problems with her husband. <laughs> well, until we get to the therapy. Until we get to the therapy scene. Yeah. All right. Uh, so now it's the trial, right? We jump into the trial and. Uh, we get our opening statements. And it's it's interesting to me watching the trial stuff because first off, like Sid yeah. is magic. Like he is so wonderful in these scenes. Just like the perfect oily lawyer. And again, it's so weird to think that, you know, what, 
three years later, four years later, Daniel Benzali would be playing this part. And you watch Daniel Benzali on NYPD Blue, and I'm not exaggerating to say that he is playing this same character. Like, it's it's written the exact same way, and it kind of makes me wish. I mean, it's nothing against Daniel Benzali. It kind of makes me wish Murder One had been around this, about this character. Yeah, that's it, but... That's yeah. it, that instead of them... Because what happened was, so Daniel Benzali played effectively this character. Char- different character name, but effectively this character on NYPD Blue. And the network liked him so much... They did not give the character his own show, because then you would have had to play Stephen Bo- pay Stephen Bochco, but they uh, created a show for him separately, which might have also been Stephen Bochco. So maybe they just cut out David Milch. <laughs> maybe it was one of those situations. Yeah. Where they just like decided, you know, David Milch shouldn't get a check. Whatever the reason, Daniel Benzali uh, moves to Los Angeles uh, we, we imagine that character. I don't remember the character's name, uh, but he he becomes a, a fancy L.A. attorney and he de- defends Jason Gedrick. And it's a really good season of television that we might rewatch at some point. I, I think that was as good as I remember it, but obviously I can't say for sure. Well, the first season was. The well, second yeah. We all remember what a disaster the second season was. <laughs> well, you know, it was it was exactly like... Um, 24 how after the first season of 24 the network decided they wanted to get rid of the premise right and just do you know week in week out uh them fighting terrorist threats and so they demanded they write a bunch of scripts for okay what if they were just week in week out fighting terrorist threats and no one was happy with the scripts and the pitch for season two was really good. So the network got over it and they just did season two the way it was supposed to be. And Murder One was a story of them chickening out and not just doing another case over the course of a year. Yeah, and it's it's worth noting that 24 became an institution that ran for like nine seasons. Yeah. And Murder One got canceled after season two. Yeah, you got to commit to these crazy ideas, guys. And uh, that's also true of Cop Rock. Uh, All right. But the point is, um, uh, the point I'm getting at is just watching how delightful he is in this part. It makes me wish that Murder One had just been about this character. And it's nothing against Daniel Benzali. It's just, God, I love Sid so much. You know, we loved him on Wise Guy and we love him here. Like, he's so delightfully oily. It's just, ah, the the man is so magnificent in his creepiness. And he's a professional, and he's great at his job, and he's just so unpleasant. It's it's compelling to watch. And I would say, I would like to see attempts made to humanize this man over the course of a TV show. (laughs) Let's, Let's figure out who Sid is. Let's figure out what Sid goes home to, you know? I want more of this guy. Well, we know where he ended up. Well, yes, but that's on... <laughs> that's on a wise guy, but yes. Oh, man. Oh, God. Elvis Elvis Prim. Uh, uh, whose wife, who was uh, turned into Al Bundy, literally working in a shoe store, and his wife leaves him for a man who drives a pickup truck. The greatest indignity someone can suffer. 
<laughs> oh, God. Anyway, the point is Wise Guy's a, you know, a brilliant TV show. All right. Uh, so Andy gets his new partner, and I'm not going to say it's the only misstep the show did, but it's it's a weird. And that was, I don't know whose idea that was. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's not clear what they're trying to say here. And of course, Vicky, her? yeah, oh, of course, I remember the actress. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. I remember the actress. It's just watching her in this. I don't know what they're trying to say with the character, but we'll talk about it when we get to that scene. And Vicky gets uh, her new partner who, uh, you hates know, women. not only hates <laughs> women, but it's like introduces himself by uh, saying, oh, yeah, I knew you were my partner. And I just didn't bother coming over to introduce myself. And she's like, uh, really? He's like, yeah, because I don't care. <laughs> oh, so you well, just... I don't think women should be cops. Yeah, he's just the worst. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So then we get the uh, the scene with the mayor who's going to have to find a way to discipline the chief of police. And like is being pointed out that he's going to continue being a problem, which he is. Uh, and we'll address why he's going to be a continue being a problem next week. Yeah. Right. And then we get the whole speech. Uh, then we get the whole speech with Vicky's partner about why he hates women cops. Like, you couldn't have picked a better guy to partner her with. <laughs> Although I guess maybe it just never came up before he had got a woman partner, right? Yeah, it would have never, yeah. you know. Well, and there's so much casual, casual misogyny in policing. That, like, why would anyone pick this specific guy out, right? As being worse until you, uh, until you found out, until he was actually faced up with. Uh, then Joe gets on the stand and gets absolutely demolished. Poor Joe. He might not be the brightest cop, but he just gets absolutely demolished on the stand. Uh, you know, he admits that he did not fully search the guy as much as he could have. And again, it's, it's the genius of, uh, Sid's defenses. No one is arguing that this criminal pulled a gun out of his underpants, but the very fact that he is able to get, it, uh, Joe to admit that he didn't fully search him is enough to make it seem like, oh, maybe he was incompetent. Maybe... Maybe he was the guy wasn't handcuffed as securely as we said. Right? Anything he can do, he does. Well, that's yes, as it as the line was, because of course um, Vincent wants to just let it go. Yep. Run away, and and as she says, no, no, all he has to do is set reasonable doubt. Yeah. In their minds, and that's that's all. He doesn't have to pro prove him guilty or not guilty. It doesn't matter. It's mm -hmm. immaterial. Reasonable doubt is oh, yeah. all it will take to get him off. Well, and then we get the uh, a song I adore, where the community leader is outside calling Vincent a racist, and uh, Vincent is saying he did his job, and then the media gets a song. Yeah. <laughs> about how the media doesn't care as long as they can turn it into a soundbite. Oh, it's it's like one of the more like absolutely critical songs of an entire profession we've seen. Uh, this show is not fond of the L.A. media and their obsession with uh, crime. You know what's interesting is that after we get to the end, you you have to wonder whether in the these last three episodes they got really tough because yeah, it, they knew it was ending. 
Yeah, they knew it was ending, and they started to get really tough about what they wanted to say. Yeah, because a lot of that comes right out here. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, oh, the cop is, a, you know, I mean, Ronnie Cox is. Yep. They, now, I think to a certain extent, I really do feel like they thought they were going to keep going. But we'll talk about that as we get into the the later right episodes. But so then we get um, then we get Andy and his partner. And this is where I'm like, I don't I don't understand what they were getting at with a a woman who is like the cop. She is sexually aroused by crime fighting and beating people up. And she's heard that Andy was sleeping with his last partner. So she thinks, great, he'll, you know, he'll be down for me as well. And I have no idea what they're trying to say here. Like, I just, I don't get it. Well, no. And to be honest with you, I didn't either. Okay. It was, it was much clearer when she played essentially the same character. Yeah. In Bakersfield PD. Yeah. That's much, much clearer. Yeah. 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 And here, I just, I don't know what they're trying to say and what this has to do with really anything that's going on with the Andy and Vicky storyline. Yeah. Other than he's, what, I, I don't know. What are they trying has to say? He gotten a rep, has he gotten a reputation? Like, uh, like, because the weird part is, it has never been part of the show up until this point that anybody but Ralph was gossiping or concerned about uh, their relationship. Yeah, no, it, it seems that it was only, like, now, th- this cop, she doesn't say anything like she knew, oh, yes, maybe. Yeah, like, she, yeah. That, yeah, she's clearly offering the implication based on, like, him being good to go because of his previous partner. Yeah. So, yeah, and- like, that's in there. Yeah, yeah, it is in there. I was going to say, is it that clear? In, but I'm yeah. going, yeah, no, it, it is. is. You see and what I'm it, saying? It's weird. It's it's kind of, well, yeah, I don't, I haven't got an explanation other than it was, I, that, no, frankly, yeah. I, I just don't have, like, why did, why was she the cop that was put with and, and Yeah. No, I mean, and why is Andy going to always have a female partner? partner exactly. Is, is it hard for them to get find? Uh, yeah, find cops who are willing to partner with women. Yeah, and that might be the case. Actually, yeah, I mean, that that might be it. And then he asks, you know, to get another partner because he's being sexually harassed, which you know he is humiliated <laughs> bringing up. Yes, close the door lock. Close the door lock. Yeah, I can't. I have to admit, I'm being sexually harassed by my partner. (laughs) I mean, yeah, like, and that's that's what's so puzzling about this scene. Like, the only joke of the scene is a woman is sexually harassing a man. I'm like, okay, but is this worth a whole song? I don't get it. I don't get because it's like I'm not learning anything important here and you don't have like an important message you're trying to send the way you do with the song about the media like I don't know what this I mean maybe it is just a comedy song who the hell knows but it isn't but it isn't kind of it it sort of isn't yeah it it is I'm I'm glad you were baffled as well by what they're supposedly doing here 
yeah, no, I, I was the same as you going, well, you know, this was really great on Bakersfield PD, but there she was a snake handler, right? Yes. <laughs> oh, gosh, she's so funny on Bakersfield PD. Uh, it was oh. just hilarious. But Yeah, but yeah, it's the same character, effectively. But yeah, exactly. here, it doesn't work. It doesn't. No, it doesn't work. And when was Bakersfield? Uh, like two years after this, three years after this, somewhere around there. So that somebody must have seen that character and said, okay, do that one in this. Yeah, do that again here. Because <laughs> you yeah. had so much fun on uh, Cop Rock. Well, no, she and I maybe okay, this is, this that might be it. They might have thought when they did it that it would play as comedy. Yeah. But it's not going to in this show. No, it just doesn't work. The show, because there isn't really another what you would call comedy song in this show. Not really, no. No, none of them. Even the ones, like like when the girls are going, why can't a man be more, more like, like a, a woman? It's still not, like you can laugh at the it's, lines. Yeah, there's funny but lines, it's but it's a serious song yeah. about their treatment. About the way women are treated in the police force. Yeah, and that, like you watch this and you're like, is is like, what is the issue that is being addressed by this song? Yeah. And I'm coming up blank. Like, I could have come up with a better song yeah. than, that, than the word, at least better words to the song. Yeah. It's not a great song, and it do, and it's not saying anything. I think we might have found the worst song in the series. Yeah. Like, it's entirely possible that we found the worst song in the series. So, sorry, this particular episode of Cop Rock. You had the first song we're going to complain about. Yeah, because, I mean, I've said some of the earlier ones were a little sort of too long. Yeah. Okay, they fixed that. Um, and yeah. as it, of course, the musician, the the, mu mu the lyric writers and mm -hmm. the musicians actually sat in the writer, were part of the writer's room. So. Yeah, which, you know, makes perfect sense. Now, somehow or another, this one must have played like, a comedic something their idea must have been that it was going to be a comedic role reversal because what it is you know is that andy was always harassing her yeah he was There's he no was it, she, he was hitting on vicky all the time all the time absolutely and so so it may be that their idea was just desserts now they're going to give him a partner who's going to start harassing, harassing him, him. And see how he likes it. Well, of course, he didn't like it. No. And but I, the song doesn't make that clear. No, it really doesn't. And I, I think that that might be what they were trying to do. No, if, you're if probably Andy, right. Give Andy a taste of his own medicine. Of yeah. course, the difference being that uh, his relationship with Vicky was a lot more complicated and nuanced. And she was interested in him. And he shouldn't have kept after her after he, you know, uh, she refused him. But, you know, it's a much more complex relationship. Also, we're seeing Vicky and Andy after three years of being partners on the street. Yeah. Like, there is a lot of backstory to their interactions with each other. Yes. I mean, honestly, have were they partners? I How long has she been married to Ralph? Because... Were they yeah. already partners when she got married? Like, that's something that's something they haven't yeah. made clear. No, and if she, now you see, but here's the problem: if she was married 
if she was already married, that's one thing. Yeah. If she got married during that thing, and then he starts hitting on her after they get married, but there's no discussion of any of that. That sort of stuff. Yeah, that stuff we have to ask ourselves. That like, yeah, the show is not clear about. The show doesn't clear up. But I think that the idea was that he should be getting a taste of his own medicine. I think that's the message that they wanted to send here. It just doesn't play. It just doesn't play well. And it's mostly the lyrics of the song. Oh, yeah, totally. And and what happens is is that um, because, you know, Holland could have treated it differently. And the one thing I would say is, what would have happened if Vicky had complained about Andy? Yeah. Right? And, you know, and would there have been any repercussions on Andy in this world? Really good question. Yeah. And so I think that that was what they were going for, but it fell flat. Yeah. I think you're probably right. And I, you know, rather than, rather, and, and understand that he did not make Andy work it out. No. Captain. Where other partners that want other people who want to change partners, he just forced them to he stick with. He forces them to stick with it, and yeah, yeah. Like it's 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 strange, and I really wonder. Well, we'll we'll never ever know. We'll Nobody never know what they thought they were doing with this. But it's like, yeah, <laughs> and it had been, and you're right. Had the lyrics been about him claiming he doesn't want it and her persisting anyway, then you could say it's a direct role reversal of what he went through with Vicky. But because it's not about that, it just doesn't play that way. Yeah. And I I think, yeah, so I don't know who was sitting in the writer's room. No, they screwed up a song. We're not going (laughs) to, we're not going to make a federal case out of it. If this is the first real complaint we've got about this. It's a pretty small complaint. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then the chief, of course, finds out. Oh, no. Before we get to the chief scene, uh, we get the scene where he's uh, where Vincent's thinking about running. The chief, of course, tries to apologize for his insensitive statements and makes everything worse, as he always does. And then Vincent's thinking about running. And then she's like, just wait until you see what Sid does to uh, the just wait until you see Sid cross-examining and you'll understand why I'm not worried at all. And of course he absolutely demolishes Ralph on the stand because Ralph changed his report. Yep. And Ralph changed his report because he was threatened by the captain. And there's no way around that. Like that is what happened. Yeah. And once you have that in your head, well, you have to start wondering Who's the real responsibility? Right? Who's really responsible here? All right. Yeah. And that is that is always the interesting thing, because you already knew right at the beginning yeah. that he had it in for Vincent. Yep. I mean, he did. I, and I'm not saying it wasn't justified. Oh, yeah. But he did. And he let his feelings for Vincent yeah. outweigh the... It was unprofessional. Judgment. His judgment. Yep. Because he threatened Vicky. Mm-hmm. He threatened well. Vicky. He threatened Ralph, right? He threatened, well, uh, he threatened Potts. Vincent's partner, like. Potts. 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 Thank you. Potts, yes. Right? He, like, he wanted, he made it his job to get rid of Vincent and make sure Vincent got charged with this. 
And that's a big, like, and yeah, there is a price to be paid for that because it gives, it, it gives Sid a villain, right? Because you're, when you're dealing with this kind of court case, if you want to, right, if you want to find someone not guilty, you've been told a crime has been committed. Well, then who's the criminal? Like just the psychology of juries is you want there to be a bad guy. And what Sid is doing is giving them a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, uh, the captain has heard about how things are going on the trial, uh, in the trial. And so he, uh, he takes that out on everybody in the, uh, in, in his squad, you know, and demands that they, and demands that they stop whining and do their jobs. That was such a good song. It's a really good song. I guess a very good song. I love that. Yeah, but especially, but it's uh, it's a really good song, but it's especially like, it does make him look uneasy because, you know, what Joe and Rose were asking for was not unreasonable, you know? Yeah, no! They really weren't asking for anything unreasonable, but like, he's letting, he's got problems at home, he's got problems because the Vincent situation is, uh, is not going well in court, like he has all this stuff going on and he is taking it out on his subordinates. Yep. Yeah, and then we finally get uh, we finally get Potts's uh, testimony, and of course he also gets demolished by Sid because Sid is very good at his job, and that's what it comes down to. Like he is ready. Uh, like there is no defense at the end of the day. All he can say is because he started by covering for Vincent. Now all he can say is I was lying then and I'm not lying now. But the problem is, when he lied the first time, there was no one threatening him to try to get him to testify. And now there are people threatening him to try and get him to testify. Like, the first thing he said, he said with no one asking him to say it. Because, you know, again, Vincent didn't even ask him to lie for him. He just asked him to say he walked out of the, like, (laughs) to cover for him. He just said, you know, walk out of the room. You know, that's all he asked him to do. And again, we're not defending Vincent here, right? But Vincent has, like, as wrong as he is about what his job is and what he should be, he has tried to do right by his partner always. Yes. You know, and it was his partner, right? And then we get the fantastic thing. It was his partner who turned on him. And now we get the fantastic ending, which is, I have honor, you know, I can't, you know, I have honor. I can sleep at night and my family respects me because I told the truth. And it's, that's where they end the episode. It is such a powerful ending up to the episode with him and Vincent facing off. Yeah. Like all of the stuff he's put his family through, but it doesn't matter because I can look them in the eye. It's a really good end to the episode. Yes. Oh. No, I that episode it's. Well, if there's one thing they did do, it was do all of those things right. Yeah. Give you, at, by the time you get to the end, the most powerful things that needed to be said were said. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Uh, next episode opens with Vincent's birthday party. And <laughs> you have this uh, really interesting thing they're doing because while the, you know, you've got the stripper there and you've got her music, 
her music dies out and we get his music so he can sing yeah. his song, which is entirely about how he hates being the center of attention and he doesn't want to be famous and he doesn't like being a thing. He just wants to be a cop. That's all he ever wanted to do. And yeah. his only dream was to die a cop. Yep. And I gotta say, uh, I loved it. I love this song and I wish, and it's like, as I'm getting all maudlin and morose as we get to the last few episodes, because it's like, I really would have liked to find out more about what makes Vincent LaRusso tick because of how this show is using him to deconstruct the idea of the hero cop. Yes. Like, that is what this whole show has been about so far. It's like, after spoiler alert, he gets acquitted this week. Yeah. <laughs> How would they have continued that? You know, uh, because we'll talk about what happens in the finale in a second. But like he gets acquitted this week because, of course, he has to narratively. Um, but where would that go from here? Like, where would they take him next? Oh, my God. Anyway. Um, so, yes. Uh, then we get that the chief wants to go down and do a sweep. Right? In, quote-unquote, the bad part of town. And his deputy is against it because it's just going to increase tensions. And the chief doesn't want to listen to him. Of course. And doesn't. we get the, when I say black people, I don't mean you. Jesus Christ! <laughs> and he just... Oh! Just get it. He just can't wrap his head around how horrible that is. I know, eh? Oh God! Because yeah, and that but that is the the thinking that is how he sees the world, right? That yep. it's like that he is here to keep black the black community in line, which is horrific. But that's what the cops see themselves as in LA. That there are these you know all of these criminals who just have these ridiculous criminal lifestyles, and it's their job to ride herd on them, which is honestly how this character would describe it. <laughs> like this character he's into the cowboy stuff he would describe it as riding herd 100 yep. percent, he would oh but it's uh it's still fantastic then we get the therapy right uh we get the therapy which i thought was great right uh we get him well, it, was, it was a good it was it's a, good a really good scene and, you know, Vicky admits, sure, she's uh, attracted to Andy, but, you know, she's never done anything and she says she never would do anything about it. And she still says that it's her husband's, you know, lack of trusting her that's the real issue. And yeah, it is. But, and, and, but it's very interesting, right? Yeah. Like, she does a really good job, the... Um, the therapist. The, like, whoever wrote the therapist. Oh, it's dead on. Dead. I mean, she said, so, do you think that the age difference is a problem? Yeah. And Vicky goes, no. <laughs> I know. Way oh. too fast and way too aggressively. <laughs> yeah. Because of yeah. course it's a problem. Yeah. It's at the core of your problems. It's at the core of why your husband doesn't trust you. Yes. You know, it's a big issue. But yeah, like they need someone from outside of them to be willing to say this stuff or they can't like because they don't know how to talk to each other. They have and no it, idea how to talk to each other. 
No, and it's very interesting because she brings up the question of children. Yep. You know, but and the bottom line is that Vicky ultimately has been sort of gaslighting him. Completely. You know, because she's she should have had more like, first of all, do I think that it's a good thing that um, <laughs> that she changes her partner to save her marriage? I'm not sure that that's a good thing. No. Um, that is not the way to handle it, for nope. sure. It would have been better um, had she, you know, but I mean, she wasn't forthcoming in the therapy either. No, and, she wasn't. You know, and I mean, we know that she has married him because he makes her feel safe. Yeah. And God, would I have liked to yeah, had the chance to go into her backstory. Yeah. Oh. We do know that she lost her father when she was 12. Mm-hmm. And what um, happened after that? Yeah. This we do not know. Uh, then Paul McCrane gets his first line in four weeks as he's setting... <laughs> As he's setting up the prostitution sting. And we get a another fantastic musical number. That was such a Cheryl Crow was in that. Really? Yep. Cheryl Crow's one of the women in that? Yeah, like I I watched the credit when I was watching them, I was watching the credits, right? And I'm looking. Oh, there's Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow was one of the women in that scene. Yeah. Oh my god, that's fantastic. I didn't recognize her at all. Oh wow. Uh but yeah. Great song. Just a great song. Love this song. Love the song. Love the performance. Uh, And again, it's a song about entrapment. It's a song about uh, manipulating men. Oh, it's such a a nice routine. I thought it was great. Uh, Love, love that whole thing. And then finally the captain has to go on the stand and admit that he had a vendetta against LaRusso, including screwing up a bust. Like being willing to leave 10 kilos of cocaine on the street uh, just to spite LaRusso. You're like, okay. (laughs) And all he can say is, I knew he was a bad guy. Well, that's not much of an excuse, Captain. (laughs) (laughs) No. You know, that's not much of an excuse for violating all of what are supposed to be the rules. Because you're looking like a bad guy, too. And it's, uh, it's, it's rough. It and is we, rough for the captain. Yeah, and we would said that already, I think, earlier oh, yeah. on. It's very clear that he was not doing things right. No, he was not yeah. handling this rationally. No, I mean, to... To... I mean, uh, what he should have done was told LaRusso he could finish up the bust he had going. Yep. Stuff. And he didn't. No. And it's his own fault that Vincent gets off at the end of this episode. Oh, yeah. But but it's more complicated than that. Of course it's more complicated than that. Oh, my God. But this certainly, you know, this certainly when you're starting to look, you can just see. I mean, listen. And... And for sure, she he had told the whole story, right? Mm-hmm. Russo. So, um, Sid, as we keep calling him, the character is named Sid. 
Oh, that's right. He is. Yeah, they again. This is made by people. You know, this is made by your wise guy people. They knew that's why he got hired. That's why he's named Sid. Because everybody loved Sid Royce so much. Why do you think Sid Royce got another episode? Because everyone loved him and that character so much. We never had to see Sid again on Wise Guy, but everyone loved Dennis Lipscomb so much and loved the character so much that not only did they bring him back on Wise Guy, they moved that character over to Cop Rock. Yeah. Because it's such an iconic performance, and it's one of those performances where it's like, I wish people knew Wise Guy more just so they could enjoy him on Wise Guy. He's so good. Uh, but anyway, so then we get Vincent on the stand, which is fantastic. And yeah, he's every bit as good as you knew he would be on the stand. Like, he is, he has been prepped. And also, like, what have the last episodes been about? How the people want him to be that, like, people love the story of the kind of cop he is. Yep. They love that story. They love that idea. They're not going to put him in jail. Right? It's it's very well done. And then we get the, uh... Jury? <laughs> no, before we get the jury, we cut back to the out, uh... The, the aftermath of the the prostitution sting scene with the guy who sings about how he needs to be dominated. Now there was your comic scene. That was a comic scene that worked. Yes. And it's like, uh, and what I love is that the way it is, the way that scene is framed is they mostly just cut back to, it was just everyone, all of the men uncomfortable with him admitting this. Yeah. <laughs> All of these cops and author who are authority figures, and he is wearing the three-piece suit, the uniform of the businessman, and all he is singing about uh, is how he needs <laughs> he needs a woman to control him. Yeah, I know. And his wife just won't do it. And his wife can't do it. It can't give him what he needs. Yes. She's just too uncomfortable to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I know. It's such a good song. And it's such a good scene. Yeah, it really was. I uh loved it. And then we get the uh and then we get the second and final therapy scene where he, you know, decides to leave his wife because he's like, fundamentally this isn't gonna work and we might as well pull the trigger on it now. Yeah. Rather than, you know, chasing Thank after God. a bad situation for any longer. Which yeah. you get. Yeah. And then we get the closing argument, and then we get the jury scene. Oh my god, the foreman of the jury is Tim Russ from uh, Voyager. Yep. Tuvok, I totally didn't remember that it was Tuvok from Voyager. Who, by the way, apparently, uh, the generation after me also lives Tim Russ because he was like a Benson-style like hotel manager on some sitcom that every child watched. So apparently yep. Tim Russ has many generations of people who love him. I had no idea. But yeah, apparently, like, there's just everybody loves Tim Russ. And then Loretta Devine gets such an amazing song. <laughs> and it's such a powerful song because the message of the song is who cares if he did it? Yeah. But this was is a the, bad guy. He was a bad guy. But more than that, her statement that this is the only time in her life that she's been in charge. Like, and it's crazy because she's defending a cop, 
but it's like her only way to stand up to like, this is the only time in her life she's ever been able to stand up to the system. Yeah. It's so fantastic. Like, and it's such an interesting idea that it's like the system has controlled her life always. And this is the first time ever she's been able to say no. She is now in a situation where for the first time in her life, she has the power and she's going to use it. And it doesn't matter that a black woman, and that's not accidental, is the assistant district attorney who's prosecuting the case. What matters is the system. Yeah, the assistant district attorney. Uh, it's, it doesn't matter that they've put a black woman in charge of the case, right? Uh, uh, CCH Pounder, who's fantastic. What matters is she has the power to say no for the first time in her life. And she's going to take it. Because, like you said, this was a bad guy he killed. Yeah. And fundamentally, she doesn't care that this guy is dead. And if she can stick it to the system, the first, like, the only time in her life she's ever going to stick it to the system, she's going to stick it to the system. It's a great scene. And as she said, it's reasonable doubt. It I is. Mean, I have a reasonable doubt. But what does she have reasonable doubt in? That's the message of the song. Yeah. You know, she knows Vincent did it. Everybody oh, yeah. knows Vincent did it. Yeah. But her doubt is in believing that the system should be in control. Like, it's it's a great song with a really powerful message. Yeah. I love this scene. But it is, I mean, yeah. Uh, no, no, the, the jury scene was just perfect. I, yeah. I'm i not going to sit here and complain about the jury scene and, and about the ending of it. No, oh. I mean, it was just what it had to be. Yep. No question. And, uh, of course, then we get the, the Chiefs, Ebenezer Scrooge scene. Yeah, I know. Oh. Oh, that was so funny in the in the text the text commentary. Yeah. Where he said, he said and his scene where we learn whether Ronnie Cox wears briefs or boxers. <laughs> oh, it's so true. But I love that he got an Ebenezer Scrooge song. Am I a racist? Yeah, where he gets to get called and then he has to honestly ask his only black friend, "Am I a racist?" Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you are. But you yeah. can work on it. That's the thing. <laughs> Admitting it is the first step. <laughs> Suddenly, all of a sudden, going, Oh. Yeah, okay, maybe I shouldn't do this. And maybe, yeah, I do see these people differently than other people. Yeah. Why is that? Let me see. Mm -hmm. But it never, um, yes, and we can't say that Daryl Gates ever got that. No, no, uh, the 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 Christmas ghosts never got to the real Daryl Gates. Okay. No. no, no, he never, he never got to understand it. It's I don't know why it's so hard to. I know why it's so hard to explain to people. Yeah. All this sometimes, sometimes I just shake my head because I can understand. And sometimes why people have such a problem with oh structural racism yeah structural this structure because nobody understands the structure 
Mm -hmm. Nobody, the structure doesn't quite cut it as your enemy. Yeah. You need, I mean, but that's not how, like, we can intellectually understand as humans, like, we can intellectualize the idea of there being a structure that's causing problem, but the way the human mind work is we need to see a threat. Yeah. And so we need there to be a face on it. Yeah, and that's, but the problem is that you still then just in, you just then individualize the problem. Exactly. It's just that person and not. Donald I, Trump is the problem. You know, no, fascism not, isn't the problem. <laughs> and the system isn't the problem. Yeah. It's Donald Trump. Exactly. Even when the big, but even when you talk about any of the social issues that have just come to the forefront in the last Mm -hmm. 50 years and that's the problem as long as you're seeing it as an individual problem and people can say okay like in war and stuff but oh yeah that that's that's one thing but on a day-to-day basis you don't really see it it's only when you come up against it Mm -hmm. and um and most people don't come up against the system, except if you live in L.A. in the black area. <laughs> yes. Then they come up against the system all the time. And Detroit. You know, these and big Detroit. These huge cities. Or, uh, I, I hate to say it, live anywhere in the South. I'm and are black. Yeah, one of these days we're going to have to, I guess, gird our loins <laughs> and start dealing with some of the crap in Texas, for example. Yep. Oh, my God. Everywhere else, I I just just down in Tennessee, them making it illegal to be gay in public, some town. Well, that's Russia. It's literally they're trying to turn America into Russia. Yeah, but but here's the the thing is that it's it's the old story of this was all right in the fifties and the sixties and in the seventies. You're talking about, and I can still remember listening to the they were talking about being gay in Sault Ste. Marie. There was a whole Jesus. episode on a long time ago. This is a long, quite yeah. a while ago. Right? And well, everybody just kind of went, nobody really cared all that much. Right. Like there was no, there were no, um, see, this is, this is, this is such a problem. There, nobody, there were gay people. I was growing up and there were gay people. Now, I didn't know they were gay people. You know, I mean, nobody ever talked about it, certainly. Mm -hmm. I don't think I heard anybody talk about somebody being homosexual and being straight. I mean, why would I? Of course not. Um, But when I look back on it, of course, I can recognize right away. Yeah. Uh, I even think one of one of the people that I was well, sort of friends with, right? I Probably mean, gay in retrospect. Well, no, he committed suicide. Oh so, my god! Yeah, it was it was terrible. He was only he was he was a couple of years older than I was, right? And, and he had been out of high school. I think he'd already graduated when right. this happened. And um, those things those things are hard. Um when I look back on it. But the point is is that in Sault Ste. Marie, as long as 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 long as you didn't hold hands in public and that's the thing, right? Yeah. That then 
Nobody as long would. as you give people reasonable doubt. Yeah, yeah. As long as you allow people reasonable doubt, or you know, it it, it never became an issue. Yeah. Uh, now, here's the problem: Does anybody want to go back there? No. Well, and, America. Well, yeah. You know, like, okay. Now, if we could just pretend none of these issues existed, everything will be fine. But no, rather than rather than coming up to the, you know, plate, so to speak. Yep. We're going to use baseball out now. Why not? You want to just stay on the bench. Yeah. You know, you just, don't want to. You don't want to have the fight. You don't want to have to. You shouldn't. And it's it's hard. It's very hard. And um, I don't know. I I think about it sometimes and because even around here now we haven't had much in the way of gay bashing graffiti and stuff like that in the last I would say in about uh, 10 years and I and I don't know whether that's just because the high school moved mm. because that's an, that's an interesting phenomena right okay that, some of that stuff settled down once the high school had moved up. They built a whole brand new high school. Right. The Roman Catholic board, but they, it was St. Mary's. And um, they it was the overflow school. And I mean, they used to be. So there were more problems then. Okay. Of LGBTQ issues. Right. In our area. Um. It it is it's it's a weird phenomena going when I when I think about it. I can understand because back in the fifties or the sixties or the seventies, or if I was to quote somebody who just mentioned this even in the eighties and the nineties. Yeah. I'm not sure there wasn't as much friction okay. now then as there is now. Like everybody's kind of taken a position and stuck, dug their heels in. Well, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that people back then were willing to kowtow to the system of authority and keep their heads down. So if you're willing, uh, you know, if you're willing to keep your heads down, everybody can just roll over you without, you know, it causing, without you getting a lot of pain, without them being disturbed. But the thing is, you're still getting rolled over every day. Yeah. And that's eventually you have to stand up for yourself. And well, then we get massive amounts of conflict, which is what you need to eventually stop getting rolled over, which is yeah. terrible. But it's like America is backsliding to the point where, again, in a Tennessee town, it's illegal to be gay in public. I guarantee you there are towns in Mississippi saying if they pull this off, let's make it illegal for people to be in interracial couples in public. There's a town in Mississippi that you know is going to do that if this if they pull off this anti-gay thing. There there are states in America, Mississippi, uh, where they're like maybe we could outlaw interracial marriage again. You know they that they full on said this. Now of course it's just state senators or state congress people or whatever state house people whatever you call it, but those people are out there. They want to turn back the clock. They want to make everything worse. And they want to go pre-Kennedy. Yeah, they want to go pre-Kennedy. They want to go pre-Great Society. And the fact is, I know this is crazy, but it's like, 
we can't count. You have to fight them day by day. You can't count on, uh, you can't count on ghostly musical numbers to change their hearts. You know, I, I, you know, what would really fascinate me, right? Is the idea, right? Just the question of, so when she's running for Senator, there was going to become a point where she had to like, uh, where she was going to, uh, she was going to have to like dump Ronnie Cox, right? Because of the political drag on her career that he presented. That was going to, that was going to be a plot thing. Well, I wonder whether she was going to have to. Yeah. Well, no, but I mean, that would have been the big conflict towards the end of the season, I imagine. Yeah. I think that's what they're building up towards. But anyway, we're never going to know. So we, all we can do is theorize. So uh, Vincent asks his lawyer if she'll have a kid with him. So he doesn't like, because he's going to spend the rest of his life in jail. And she seems to be seriously considering it. Yeah. And then he gets acquitted. Yep. So everybody's surprised, but Sid's. Yeah. Sid knew. Of course Sid knew. He's Uh, good at Yeah. All right. And then in episode 11... We have, uh, now that the trial is over, we answer the question, okay, like, the main plot that has carried this show through the thrust of the first ten episodes, that have been an arc for the whole first ten episodes, that is over. What does an episode, just an episode of the show, Cop Rock, look like? And that is what this next episode is about providing. There is a rapist on campus. Yeah. Uh, there's a rapist on campus and they're going to do decoys to try and catch him. And then we get a song by the decoys, which is a pretty solid song to start off the episode. Yeah. You know, about how they're going to get this guy. And, you know, let's face it, uh, nothing more loathsome than a rapist. So, yeah, them being psyched about putting him in the ground. We we very much appreciate that. <laughs> no, it was a good song. Yeah, uh, then we get Vicky and Andy. He's, you know, says sorry about uh, your marriage breaking up. Any chance we could partner up again? (laughs) And she does not see, uh, and she is, of course, not ready to do that because she is not giving up on her marriage yet. She probably should, but she's not emotionally there yet. Again, like, the therapist is right, and Ralph is right. Like, they're not together for good reasons. Yeah. They're not together for good reasons. They're not together for healthy reasons. They probably shouldn't be together. And now the next phase of starting up the campaign. So the twins are back. Oh my god, I had missed the twins. We love the twins. I miss the twins so much. They're so much fun. They're coming back to consult and get her, you know, on the road to becoming the new senator from the state of California, uh, which is, you know, what her plot line this episode is going to be about. And then we get the wonderful scene of the chief of police giving our captain the bad news, which is they're going to have to let Vincent LaRusso back on the force. Yep. No way around it. He's a hero. Everybody loves him. And that's it. And if he had gone willingly, it would be one thing, but he ain't going willingly. Nope. And we're not going to be able to push him out. 
and you made the mess, you got to clean it up. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. It's like... He's going to get the big payoff, too. Oh, of course. Yeah. He's he's going to do quite well out of this in the end because he played ball. Yep. Oh, absolutely. But the captain uh, is put in an impossible position of having to accept Vincent LaRusso back. Of course, we also know that he's going to make it his job <laughs> to make figure out a way to make Vincent LaRusso's life hell. <laughs> For sure. Like that is that is his priority now. One hundred percent, that is his main priority now. Is finding a way to just like make Vincent Larusso's life hell. Ah, uh, and then uh, oh my god, we get the scene of Vicky packing up her house, which is a rough one. Yeah, yeah, it's sad, but you know. I... Yes, I mean, they shouldn't have... They shouldn't have been together, and it's just sad to watch her still not understanding what went wrong. Well, she's very young. Yeah, she is. And, you know, she's probably... Like, I mean, we didn't talk about the fact that, that the uh, her ther the therapist brought up, okay, so do you want children? Yeah. Oh, no, you mentioned it and how she's not willing to like, she's I, like, not yet. I have a career. And he's like, well, I'm not getting any younger. That's right. I need children now. Before, while I'm young enough to enjoy them, he says. Yeah. And so he's the one that is basically, yes, his jealousy was poorly placed. It was poorly placed, but there was major, like, crucial incompatibilities between them. Aside yeah. from his irrational jealousy. Yes. You know, and, like, and the weirdly, the jealousy, like, the jealousy being there... Uh, Just brought it to the fore. Exactly. Like, no, no, it allowed <laughs> yeah. them to point yeah. this out as being their one issue. But if you set the jealousy aside, they also have a hundred other issues. You know? It would take too long to... Uh... Yeah. Exactly, right? Like, it would just take too long to get into all of their issues. So it's, again, I think it's a very well done scene. Like, I think it's a very well done scene, and she's having to going to have to start figuring out who she is. Yes. Which is something she's not good at or ready to do. Never yeah. have been, as we've watched throughout this thing. She is a, a level of naivete yeah. that is um, interesting. It is. And again, as I watch it, these are all characters I would be delighted to follow. Yes. And see how they grew. And then we get a, just a full-on comedy scene of the mayor shooting her. <laughs> Uh, the mayor shooting her ad. I love the mayor shooting her ad. Oh my god! All of the all of the actors who've been working in uh, L.A. forever and complaining that if we had just gone to Vancouver, we could have shot this non-union. I'm not sure they could have shot it non-union. Well, no, but, but not American Union. Yeah, not American Union. I thought, you know, the guy, yeah, and you owe us our breakfast. I know. I, you know. 
We started, we got called early. We get meal penalties. We like going through all of the details of it. That was fantastic. No, I mean, again, as someone who's worked on a lot of sets, it was great seeing this represented. As someone who sat in a parking lot once because one... I know. Well, you got to see... Hey, hey, you got to see David Bowie. I got to see David Bowie. And I got to be... And I, technically speaking, got to work with David Bowie. Yes. So, what can I... I mean, I can't really... How could you possibly complain? It wasn't that cold, but it was four o'clock in the morning. She had to drive me to a gig because uh, my driver's license has lapsed. It was very embarrassing. Uh, But she got to see David Bowie as a result. So I say (laughs) win-win. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Win-win. Yes. And it puts a smile on my face every time I see him. And I remember. Yeah, there you go. Friggin' up in Laval at a prison. Yeah, it was a prison outside of Montreal. Yeah. All right. Uh, so then we get Vincent uh, being told what his finance operation, uh, like his financial responsibilities are by <laughs> by Sid and saying, look, uh, like we talked about, uh, we're going to make a movie. You can have basically speaking engagements for the rest of your life. Let's start cashing in on this. And Vincent is like, yeah, I'm not doing any of that. Uh-huh. Uh, and I would have loved to see what Vincent was going to do to him. Oh, what Sid was going to do to him. Oh, what yeah, Vincent Sid versus Sid. Yeah, like what yeah. Sid was going to do to Vincent. I know. Because as he's like, and you see Sid's response, which is so fantastic, because like fundamentally, he Vincent did agree to that. Like, technically, yes. Vincent's not wrong. He did agree to 50% of all of his life rights. He just didn't agree to like, sell his life rights like the wording from a wording standpoint vincent is not wrong about what he agreed to he agreed to uh he gets sid gets 50 percent of his life rights for the rest of his life but they made no agreements about how that exploitation was actually going to happen and while sid can go sell the rights to a movie if vincent doesn't participate there's no movie and (laughs) vincent essentially says sue me and Sid just says, show him out. Yep, yeah, show him out. And, and, you, just... and you know this was going to be interesting. <laughs> yep. Oh, oh my God. So then Potts comes in and has to find out. Oh, by the way, Vincent's coming back to work here. And they say, you can, uh, right, you can send him, uh, we can send you anywhere you want to go. And he's like, where are you going to send me where I'm not thought of as a rat? Yeah. And that's a really good question. And then and then they say, well, yes, but you could come into administration. Yeah. <laughs> Which no, is I'll... not why he became a cop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's he a could... cowboy, just the same as the rest of them. Oh, man, I know. It's such a, again, great look at cops. Like the, lots, but I wish we had seen more. I know. like, And that's what's so frustrating about this final episode. It's like they're setting up the fact that, no, they had a really strong back half of the season planned. Oh, yeah. Like, this wasn't, like, ending the trial wasn't going to end the show. They had a lot to come. For example, in the next scene, uh, they think they've identified the rapist, but yes. they only have access to 
the uh the what do you call it they only their warrant says they only have access to the little room behind the garage he lives in not to the whole house but vicky's partner goes and searches the whole house anyway and yeah and she tells him not to and she's very clear about it but he doesn't care he's not listening to her and he finds his rape kit but you know there is absolutely nothing they can do with it and so Paul McCrane, you know, gets one more scene uh, to tell him off. Uh, and then the DA explains why he can't use the evidence and the captain's got to figure out some way, some way they can do it. And how we have like one of the strangest scenes, which is the um, the musical number that's also the mayor's ad. Yeah. And it's very weird because it's like, in the world, ads that are musical numbers could actually exist. Now, I'm not saying this song exists within the world of the show. It's still a musical number, but it's like how perfectly they capture the pandering political ad in this musical number is so fantastic with the people of all ages and races dancing and sitting together about how he, she's there for them. <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh, no, it was a great song. It's beautiful about how she's going to clean up the state the way she's cleaned up the city. Okay, yeah, in your dreams. I know, right? Yeah, but the the point is, the money people are happy to get behind her. They really think this is something. Yeah. Oh, and then Vincent comes back to work to the universal praise of everyone. Everyone. Except for Potts and Except the captain. Except for Potts and the captain. Yeah. Oh, it's so sad watching everybody's last scenes. You know? Yeah. And that's... A, and you know you're getting it. As you're watching it, you know you're getting everybody's last scenes. Like, our last scene with Rose and Joe is them being part of the captain's scam to get the rapist. Because his plan was... Because they only had the evidence to bring him in for a lineup based on the illegally captured evidence, they can't even do a lineup because it would be tainted as well. And so his plan is bring him in on some nonsense charges and then have one of his victims just happen to see him there. Which is a plan and it works and they arrest him and that's great. But (laughs) the it's, it's great watching the corrupt cop, Vicky's partner, not understand how what the captain did is any way different than what he did. And it's like, the difference is mine is going to work in court. And it's not like there's something morally different than what we did. The results are different. And if you don't understand that, you might not be able to be a cop. Because fundamentally, he doesn't, like what the captain did, he doesn't have to ask anybody to cover for him. He doesn't have to lie. He doesn't have to go into court and get cross-examined. It may have been shady. It may have been a trick, but it's not going to get anybody into any further trouble. And that's the difference. And and trust me, this man is not going to have Sid as the lawyer. Oh, God, no. No. He's a dirtbag who lives behind a garage. He is not getting a $250,000 order. By the way, we didn't mention that's what the representation Sid provided cost. 
$250,000. And that's what he was expecting to get back via book and movie deals and speaking engagements and more. But yeah, oh, that would have paid off so well the rest of the season. I, w- I was just looking forward to seeing what Sid was actually going to do to him. Because yeah. you know he's not going to let it go. Oh, Obviously no. he's not going to let it go. And she's not going to let it go. Like, it's... It, oh, it would have been so interesting. Yep. So, uh, then we get... Oh my god! Vincent, and this is why he's such a fascinating character. Yeah. He's like, he says to Potts, Look... Nobody wants to work with you, so you can come back and be my partner again. <laughs> oh my god! You just sit there and go, okay. And he's like, you don't have to answer now. Just think about it. <laughs> How could Potts not deck him? How could he not deck this man? <laughs> Well, since Vincent then goes and says, "But and I forgive you." I forgive for- you. Forgive me. <laughs> yeah, of course. He's just to this Vincent, day he doesn't get it. Vincent still thinks that what he did was the right thing to yeah. do. Yeah, he'll he'll never stop believing he did the right thing, and he's like, "I understand why you betrayed me. No hard feelings." <laughs> Oh, damn. Like, I know the kind of pressure you were under. I don't have any hard feelings about this. Where would this have gone? I know. Oh, where would this have gone? Oh, it's like, and that's the tragedy of this last episode. Yeah. And then, and by the way, the experience of watching this episode, and I mean, I don't know if you knew, because when I first watched this, I was a kid. I didn't, you know, read news about what shows were doing well or what shows were doing badly. So the fact that right after this scene with Vincent and Potts comes a scene with Ronnie Cox and Vondi Curtis all talking about how the show got canceled. Yeah. (laughs) It's literally unlike I had anything I had ever seen on television. Complaining about, complaining about how... (laughs) they didn't get enough songs how Vondi Curtis Hall is pissed he only got one song and then Ronnie Cox is like uh you got two songs you know you also announced the the hangman song where they put a noose around my neck and he's like yeah but that wasn't my song and Ronnie Cox (laughs) and then Ronnie Cox is like I only got one song like yeah but you're not a singer like I started in this business as a singer (laughs) And then upon him saying that, Von Dickerson gets the best look he got to get in the entire series. Really? You started in this job as a singer. It's so good. Oh, and then the entire, oh, God. The entire company. Well, no, it's a musical, so they're called a company. Yes, that's right. Sorry. Company. Ah, It's a a nerdy thing about musicals. Ah, but yeah, the entire company shows up for one last song about how hopefully they can find a way to ride again. Oh, it's so beautiful. And I love the line about the fat lady singing. I know, and then they get her out. Oh, show's not over till the fat lady sings, and so they get a woman come out to just really belt. Just to belt those notes. It's beautiful. I mean, it is... I wish it never ended, but it is like the perfect last song to go out on. Yep. Pointing out that they cost more than the movie Heaven's Gate. Yeah, it cost 
Yes. Each episode costs... No, no. Cost- the whole show cost more than Heaven's Gate. Oh, no, no. The whole show. But each episode cost a third more than... As we thought, yeah, than a normal episode of television, yeah, and that Heaven's Gate line was pretty. It's perfect, yeah. (laughs) Heaven's Gate, in case you're not familiar, uh, Michael Cimino was a director who was thought of as being incredibly like of the. There was this generation of the young film schoolboys, and uh, there was you know Scorsese and um, oh God, Francis Ford Coppola and Steven Spielberg. And among all of them, the guy who was considered to be, like, the best artist and the one who was, like, uh, like making great best. art, yeah. making great art that also people went to see and won Oscars, was a man named Michael Cimino. And he made this movie called The Deer Hunter, which, again, it's a great movie. Like, I'm not going to say it's not well, a great movie. It's hard to watch, though. Incredibly hard to watch. But it's just a truly great film, and so you understand why he had this rep, uh, this the uh, right this reputation. And so then he got it into his head that he was going to go make the definitive story about the West, right? The West and how people can't right, and how you know the the idea of freedom of the West was crushed by moneyed interests who came in and uh, Chris Christopherson starring. I feel like. I feel like Chris Christopherson starred in it, but I could be wrong. No, he was one of the other guys. Yeah. Okay, but anyway, I don't even remember who starred in it. But no, the point no. is, it it bankrupted the studio United Artists. Spent This movie was so expensive to make, it bankrupted the studio United Artists. And literally, for the next 20 years, every studio was terrified of another Heaven's Gate. And any movie that was looking to be go over budget was talked about as another Heaven's Gate. So it was like the number one point of reference for a self-indulgent and too expensive thing. So they're being very knowing in their referring to themselves as Heaven's Gate here. But yeah, uh, and just mentioning, like actually mentioning that they're on ABC, like everything about this song is just so delightful. And it's so knowing and they're so sad about it. Ugh. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I don't mind saying that it's beautiful. No, it was a wonderful way to end it. It was. It really was a wonderful way to end it. You know, um, Stephen Bochco, unlike Mel Mel Brooks, knew how to end his (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there are you know, I mean, there there are some with with Mel that were... No, they generally have bad endings. You're not wrong. Mel Brooks never learned how to end a movie. I'm well, looking at you, the producer. 13 chairs. Except for the producers, which has a perfect ending, yes. Yes, yes, other than that. Oh, and, and Blazing Saddles. Oh, my well, God. Well, no, but I mean, Blazing Saddles is kind of controversial, because instead of ending, they leave the set and have a chase yeah. through the back lot. Instead of having a real ending. Like, that is, in many yeah. ways, the definitive thing that people who are pissed off at Mel Brooks complain about. Um. Is it weird that it's like we got through this entire 11 episodes of what is what was for years the biggest joke and the most reviled TV show and we complained about one song yeah because we thought its message about uh reverse quote unquote quote unquote reverse sexual harassment was muddled yes that's it i i am su- at how 
good this is. How consistently good it is. Yes. Yeah, and that the music is so supportive of the entire storyline. Yeah, it is. It, it really was. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a big surprise. Well, because in an episode, and again, I, I know I keep talking about NYPD Blue because I just watched all of NYPD Blue, but it's it's worth saying, right? Uh, in NYPD Blue, like, think about that song about the um, the abused wife. In this episode, yeah. on NYPD Blue, we would have done four scenes with the wife and the husband and 45 lines of dialogue. And it would have taken 12 minutes of the show to go through all of the characters, right? And how they react to it. And it's like, and then there would be a, a scene at the end where we find out she had been killed by her abusive husband and things like that, right? And here we get, we hit all of those emotional beats about how he's a monster and how she can't leave him and how painful it is to both of them that he can't stop and she can't leave. Yeah. They cover everything NYPD Blue would have in a 15-minute C-plot in an episode in one three-minute song. <laughs> I know, eh? It is a shortcut, and it is a beautiful shortcut. Yeah, I'm not... I have... It was, that was the, the stunning. I think that's when I started to go. Wow. Okay, they yeah. really know what they're doing. And, and that while, and, and I think that that is though, and I would say is watching it a second time. Yeah, you're right. So you could focus then in on what was, you know, yeah, like because you kind of knew, well, we knew going in that Vincent was going to get off. Exactly. I mean, you didn't know all of those things. You knew to some extent as as you're watching it, but it wasn't kind of clear. And the songs almost seemed distracting because you're so used to the plot. Yeah. And 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 here's the thing. I mean, when you read the text. The, t- the text thing, right? Yeah, everybody, if you've watched this, even if you've just watched the, already watched this, if for some reason you didn't watch it with us, I'm sad. But if you didn't, uh, go and watch it all on YouTube. It's all there. And they also have the text commentary for the first episode. You should watch wow. that as well, because it is very fascinating and important. Sorry for yeah. interrupting. Please continue. No, no. And so you're watching that, right? Yeah. And, um, Okay, so what was I going to say about the music? Um, I was going to well, no, say. Well, no, now you can actually focus on the songs. No, now you could focus. That was it. Because now I already knew, you know, when some of the songs came out, and you could, I could focus. Yeah. Songs. And he was talking about how there was another musical thing. Oh, but, hi. Yeah. And, and then there was Glee later on. But he said Glee was fine because they used all. Con- songs that were written by somebody else yeah every song here was created specifically for the show the yeah. director yeah. had to be on set every all the day time. Yeah. every yeah. time they shot any musical number um now to be and- fair i will say the one mistake they made in production that i will say and this is i i believe this was a mistake was shooting the vocals live instead of lip-syncing the songs. They probably should have gone into a studio and recorded the songs separately and lip-synced them, rather than recording all of the songs on set. 
Okay, but you know what? Just to to save money is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. There is okay. an immediacy to it. You are absolutely right. And the natural sound of the songs does add a lot. I'm just saying as a cost-saving measure, they should have considered doing it. You're right that the immediacy of it adds a lot. And the fact that you can hear that this is the same, like the same soundscape in which they were all just talking. It does add a lot. I'm not going to pretend it doesn't add a lot. But I'm just saying, from a mercenary, here's how you could have saved the show money standpoint that it would have been a really good way to save the show a bunch of money yes but i don't think money was the key issue okay you're probably right the you show know, had other problems like apparently they only had between six, seven and eight million viewers oh. which as they say today is a lot but in the days where there was no, no they needed to... they needed 25 million people a week to justify doing this show and they just didn't yeah because th this show cost yeah, because again, fifty percent more than any other TV show at the time. Now, episode of Game of Thrones, you know, twenty-five million dollars or something insane now. But the fact that this thing was costing two million dollars an episode or one and a half million dollars an episode was a scandal at the time. Yeah, it was, and I think that the music. So uh, you know, and then people just didn't take to it. Like yeah. we loved it, but then we're weird. We're weird, yeah. And um you don't have to be coy. America was too cowardly to embrace. Well, I don't know. Cowardly is just it was if I if I'm being thinking about it, right? It is what what people expected from musicals, I don't think it was cowardice so much as You're not giving people was, what they expect. Look, it flipped like everybody talks about how La 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 Land was was this flipping musicals, and I thought La La Land was R A P. Yeah, there was one good song in it for God. <laughs> I know, right? And I, you know, and this, but it, but again, even that had its was was easier to follow. But musicals tend generally are happy. Yes, there's a little yeah. bit of. But everything ends up happy in the end. Mm -hmm. um, if you, I can just think musical after musical after musical, and Cats was just a straight up musical. Like if you think of the things on Broadway, but yeah. most people don't watch them. They watch the movie musicals. Yeah. So what I get, you know, I, the whole My Fair Lady business, oh, and yeah, you're right. You know, so all of these songs, and yes, those songs are, are integrated and relate to the plot. Mm -hmm. And everything else, but they have to spend a lot more time. These guys are writing this, and it is a format like it is a cop show, and yeah. a cop show. It's it, it's like well, people want happy when they think it's going to be a musical, and they're not ready for a musical to be this bleak. Again, yeah. here's a and musical about here's a musical about the fact that they're kicking homeless people out of their encampments and destroying all their possessions. Yeah, yeah and I think that that was just a little hard to kind for of people to take. Yeah, and I can understand it. Like you have to because remember this. Like yes, I remembered it as good. Yeah. But I didn't remember it as, as this being like again the only cop show we've seen that hates cops more than wise this show is Wise Guy, yeah, and that was a show that was actively anti-cop. 
in a way that this show's never actively anti-cop, but goddamn is it suspicious of cops. Yeah. Whereas Wise Guy was actively anti-cop. To an extent that I was genuinely shocked by when we rewatched it. Like, yeah, I've no, seen I... all of these so many times. How did I never realize how much this show hates cops? Yeah. Oh. Not nobody. None of them are painted in a good light. Politicians. No. None no. of these. The entire system. Yeah. You know, the entire system is a problem. And yeah, you need you need somebody to deal with serial rapists, but there's got to be a way to do it better than these guys are doing. It. Yeah. You know, we're not saying you don't need somebody to deal with serial rapists. We're saying there's got to be a better way to organize this system that's less horrifically racist and oppressive. Yeah. God, that scene where Potts goes to the the union guy and it's just like, "Look, this is that you were never ever ever going to get out from under this you will like no one will ever have your back again if you testify <laughs> jesus like damn just opening your eyes at the racism of the police department like, it's bad enough that you're black you're going to be a rat too oh my god wow this show it's it's brutal yeah and it was it was brutal. But yeah, and it's it's not like any other cop show you've ever seen. No. And and, and you stick music into it and mm -hmm. people don't think. Yeah. Like sing a blues song maybe or something for people being sad. Yeah. But you know, I, I if you think about the expectations that people have. Yeah. That kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. It it's it you had to and the problem is is that i can't think of how you would break people in no for that like you just had to give it a hail mary and if it went it went and if it didn't go it didn't right it is really and i mean it, this is going to sound like i'm overstating it and maybe i am this might be the boldest experiment a tv network did in like the entirety of the 90s yeah because i mean was twin peaks an experiment yeah it's not as big a swing as cop rock no it was just a little weird it was a weird show from like america's weirdest director yeah let's take america's weirdest director and have him do a truly strange uh nighttime soap opera Whereas, like, it's not a swing like this is a swing. Like, maybe there's a show that took a bigger chance than this show, right? Maybe there is. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to think. But I can't think of one. No, because even some of the ones that we have all also covered that only had short runs. Yeah. Um, they were not, they might have been short. Oh, Unsub I'm isn't risky know. like this is risky. No. I no, love Unsub. No, it's not risky. It's just I, too bleak. It's too bleak and out of its time. Yeah, like people weren't ready for Criminal Minds in 1988. It's as simple as that. They just weren't. They'll, they'd go see Manhunter, Sans Lambs, in theaters. They weren't ready for it on TV. Because it can be very stressful. Oh, absolutely. Like, so I think that, that but, but when you mixed these two genres, yeah. I think it is just too much for people to have to shift. Right. It's because it wasn't Botchko and it wasn't the writing. No. 
you know, because because everything else Bochco did afterwards. Oh, you yeah. Know? He had no problem having successes before and after this. And this was just a, but he wanted to do this and he talked ABC into doing Robert Iger, I guess is what. The yeah, Bob te- Iger at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And talked him into doing it. Apparently he did a really good pitch. Um, I think, yes, finances surprisingly doesn't seem to have been the biggest part if they had were willing to do it without and but finances might have been well no the, i mean they just they didn't have the viewership cuz look at it this way right when you have the viewership you had basically you can take a risky show on as long as you're not losing too much money but the budget of the show was so high that they couldn't sell enough ad space to justify it right to justify it and that's why they offered to keep doing the show without music because doing this without music cuts you know 40 percent out of the budget and at 40 percent of the budget you can justify making this show because everyone knew it was a great show everyone working on it believed it was a great show the network thought it was a great show i don't know how tv critics thought felt about it i haven't gone back and checked yet we might do that according to the texting it was a mixed bag okay yeah. I'm guessing a lot of the TV critics also were unwilling to give it a chance. Yeah, you'd have to have watched the whole thing and watched it then a second time because that's all I can say is yeah. that watch want- it, then go back, and now that you know the plot, just pay attention to what they're doing with the songs. Yeah. And then when you pay attention to what they're doing with the songs, you're just going, Oh shit. Yeah. This it's is some next song- level stuff. Yeah, I mean the 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 the, the music crew mm-hmm. of this particular um show but i of this particular did a brilliant brilliant job they did. and i i sit there right though and watching this and just knowing like just remember that scene where you had the public relations team for vincent right oh, i know that had to be so hard and apparently they had almost no time to rehearse of course which just makes it easy. You have to deliver a new hour of television every six days. Well, now here, no, they did it eight days. Oh, eight, well, of course. And there you go. There's an extra 25% of the budget keeping the crew out another t- two days. And the pilot took, the pilot. Yeah. Took two weeks, 15 days. This is my point. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's because of the musicals. Oh, yeah. I get it, but now you understand how this show just couldn't be cost-effective while being a musical. Yeah. Everybody loved the show, but they just couldn't justify it financially. And that's terrible, but, you know, that is literally, it is a business. Like, we get it. We don't li- we don't have to like it, but we do have to understand it. Well, and I do, you know, I, I, this, this, yes, I mean, I'm going. I know, I know. <laughs> <coughs> it was I wish we had five seasons of this to talk about. Yeah. Oh, if only I would have loved to have seen where Ronnie where the where the chief Where yes, where would the chief have gone? Because the other thing that I was thinking is, well, she's single. Yeah, she's gotta be married to, you know, the uh what do you call it? A viable national candidate. There aren't no single people in American politics. Everyone assumes they're gay. And America well, won't vote for a gay person. 
Well, back then, okay, and this is, but it's only 30 years ago. Yep. Yes, that was, but I, I was thinking, I mean, that's what I was thinking, rather than getting rid of Ronnie Cox. Maybe they would have had to got married for political reasons. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Because, and, and it would be a marriage for the conservatives because she's running Republican. Oh, yeah. So for the conservatives, this is a marriage made in heaven. Yeah. Well, I mean, the they one, the one problem being, uh, and this is the problem that all conservative women find themselves in, uh, to quote our beloved hunters, we don't really do queens. Yeah. <laughs> At the end, yeah. At the end of the day, they don't ever want a woman to be in charge. Yes, but she could have been a senator. No, no, I know. But I'm just saying there there is always a suspicion in the world of you know the, in the world of right wing politics of any woman who wants to be in charge, because how, if she marries the chief of police, then you're right. That would obviously uh, that would obviously uh, offset that. But yeah, like it's it's one of those fascinating things about right wing politics is you know they there is this in this this built in misogyny at the core of it that it's yeah, just Eric, hard to ever get around. Yes. And in the and the thing is, of course, <laughs> that scene with them camping. Oh my god, I love that scene so much. <gasps> I have yet to stop loving that scene. Oh, it was so No, I could see them doing that and then he would have to learn to be a modify. politician's husband. Yes. And how funny would that have been? He'd have to be help He'd have to be Pelosi's husband. Exactly. That would have been fantastic. Ugh. Anyway, we're going to stop, you know, reminiscing about all of the... Th reminiscing about a show we never got to watch and just say... Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. It really was special. Yeah, it and was. And that's what it comes down to. Like, it really was special. And I'm glad somebody put it up. I'm really glad somebody put it And more importantly... I'm glad ABC isn't being a dick about this and taking it down. Yeah. No, just just leave it up. Just leave it up so we can enjoy it, you know? I think yeah. I think we all deserve that, don't we? Yeah, and I think and I think because this only came up recently and but people had put up like playlists of some of the songs. Wow, nice. There are there are playlists because that that's what screwed me up. I was using my YTV my YouTube music instead right. of regular YouTube when I was first looking for it because I was using my phone. Gotcha. Of course, I'm getting all the music. I'm not getting the show. <laughs> that's right? frustrating. Yeah. Oh no, that's what just after my I had my feet feet done right. So yeah, not at my regular desk. Right. Okay. So I was I was watching it that way, and it was uh, yeah, and so there I saw them, and you can listen to the entire playlist. Of nice, songs. that's so, great. Or uh, your favorites, or just your favorites. Yep. Ah, uh, but yeah, like that's one of the things that blows my mind. How much of this I remembered. <laughs> yeah, as I was going through it, how much I remembered, and the only thing that is, and just to. That is, it conceptually, that he got the guy. Apparently, I don't know. I'll, I'm repeating the, some of the text. The, the text because 
it wasn't a voiceover. No, no, it's a text commentary. A text commentary, yeah. right? And you have to read he, it. When when Bochco went to Mike Post, it became the music musical director. director. Yeah, right. And he explained it all, and Mike Post said, "Don't." Apparently, <laughs> he said one word, "Don't." <laughs> And Bochco still managed to talk him into taking the job. Yeah, job's a job. Well, yeah, and he got the money for it. Well, no, I mean, he had been working on all of Bochco's shows. And if this was, I mean, at the end of the day, if this was the show Bochco was going to do this year, it's the show Mike Post was going to be working on. Oh, yeah. And I think I'm sure he had, to some extent, a lot of fun with it. Oh, I'm sure. You know, the, the music, it fits everything. We've got one song. Where that we thought they were muddled and didn't really make their point well. Yeah, and I think that's simply it's the lyrics. Yeah, it's the lyrics. It's not even the song itself. It's the the lyrics are kind of muddied. Yes, and he it should have been him, and he should have he should have gotten some some revelation from what was happening. Yeah, that maybe he shouldn't have treated Vicky the way he did. Yep, and she would still be his partner. Yeah, would have been interesting. Anyway, so long story short, we don't think they're going to be rebooting Cop Rock anytime soon. Uh, We would love it if they would, but they're probably, you know, not going to be rebooting. If you want a musical, uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is a delightful show. Really, really fantastic show. 151 songs over four seasons. So it's not the volume of music you'd get from a Cop Rock, which was doing five original songs a week. Uh, but you know who's doing that many songs a week? That's insane. Even Glee is just doing three covers a week. Yeah. Uh, so and a lot of them are the characters actually singing, and it's not being a musical. There, I said it. Yeah, because it's about a Glee club. Yes. So therefore, it's not a musical. Well, no. Sometimes it was a musical. Like they they do it. There are plenty of scenes of the characters singing. You know, and it is. The characters singing, it's not, you know, them just performing within, diegetically within the story. But there are plenty of songs on Glee where it's just, you know, the characters singing on Glee. Uh, and so, you know, I, I had an issue with that. Well, I never watched it, so. Yeah, you didn't miss a lot. Yeah, you know, just never watched it. Even though it was Jane Lynch, right? Oh, yeah, she's hilarious. You know, but I just somehow or another never got around to watching it. And yeah, we we love Jane Lynch. We're never going to stop loving Jane Lynch. So, but yeah, Cop Rock, Cop Rock was again something we'll never get to see again. And it, it is unique. Nobody's tried it with the. I I can't think even because you know, like Basler Basler Lerman, yeah. So he did. Um, the one with uh, Kidman. Mo- yeah, uh, Moulin Rouge is what you're thinking of. Moulin Rouge, yes. Yeah. Moulin Rouge, although it starts with an M. What is it? It's Moulin Rouge. Oh. And there are all sorts of people I know who love that. Adore Moulin Rouge. Yeah. And I'm going, and I did watch it, you know. Yeah. But it, it, he just couldn't quite cut it. I liked his Elvis much better. Mm-hmm. Um. And Moulin Rouge, though, is is in that sense a musical. It, it no, it is an actual musical. Yeah. No original songs, but it is a musical. Oh, yeah, and um, you know, but it's still like watching operetta. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, 
Yeah. Lots and lots of dialogue, and then they do a famous song. Lots and lots of dialogue, then they do a famous song. Yeah, and it just—I I don't know. I—I I found it cloying. Is it? Is it because it was cloying? Okay, that's a nice word for it. Nicest way uh, to describe Mularish. The last—the last couple of biopics have been fine. La, I, oh yeah, La La Land wasn't. I didn't enjoy that particularly. It was okay. I mean, it wasn't. The but point when, is, yes, there are decent musicals out there. Yes, there yeah. are even risky musicals. Fun thing about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, uh, if I haven't mentioned this before, and even if I have, uh, it's one of my favorite pieces of trivia. The network cared about the show so much. It had a four-year plan for a beginning, a middle, and end of the story yeah. that it ha- now has the history uh, the history of it, the, sorry, its historical re- uh, relevances. It is the show the lowest rated show to ever get a third and fourth season. Oh, really? Yeah, when it was renewed in season uh, three, it was like last in the ratings and they still brought it back for season four. Because the WB was like, you know what? We've committed to this story. We're going to tell the rest of this story. (laughs) I know, it's the kind of thing that never happens, but it actually happened once and it it was a great show. And... Uh, how do we put this? It um, The difference between it and Cop Rock and why it was able to succeed, where Cop Rock was not able to succeed is Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is a comedy. It's a comedy that has dramatic, uh, dramatic heart and deals with serious issues, but at its core, it is a funny show that you will laugh when you watch it. It is structured like a comedy, and it is funny and fun to watch. Yeah, and at the like end of the day, Cop Rock isn't a comedy. <laughs> No, and that, but that's what made it, that's sort of what I was trying to say earlier on, right? Yeah. All those earlier musicals. No, but you're right. Like, if, if it had been more broadly comic, people would have been able to wrap their heads around it. But it wasn't, and people couldn't. But then again, people didn't wrap their heads around Bakersfield PD ever. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, Bakersfield PD is a perfect example of a show that would have done just fine in the 2000s. It was just 10 years too early. As usual. As usual with all the stuff we love. But the point is, these trailblazers need to go out there and make this stuff, or there won't be any brilliant comedy 10 years later, because the trail won't have been blazed. People Mm -hmm. won't have watched, you know, Bakersfield PD and thought, damn, I wish I could do something like that. And then, damn, I wish my network could put that on the air. And then 10 years later, they go out and they do it, you know? And then we get Arrested Development 10 years later because we had Cop Rock. Yeah, sorry, Cop Rock. I mean, because we had Bakersfield PD. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, so, all right. So we're going to wrap it up here. Thanks for listening to us ramble for these la- this last half hour about how important this show was to us. But it really was. Like, it is a show that it is... If I were to be able to pick one show, and if this is too specific a category, you can call me on it, but... I don't think there is any other television show where its reputation, there's a greater gulf between its reputation and the reality of the show. Yeah. I can see why you'd say that. I just, I can't think of another show that is reviled, but it's actually fantastic. Like, the depths... (laughs) You know, because I'd been watching <laughs> Cop Rock. Do you know what YouTube uh, suggested for me? What? A uh, 
a compilation of every time David Letterman talked about cop rock on the late show. On late night. Yeah. Sorry, on late night. Yeah. You can just uh just write David Letterman cop rock into YouTube and there's a compilation. And it's just indicative of how horrible everybody was to cop rock and how no one would give cop rock a chance. That was too bad because it was well worth watching. As we've said more than once. It's all we've said. We just say that over and over again. Oh, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant show. And that's where we'll leave it. Okay, uh, so thanks so much for joining us for this. Hopefully uh, you are listening to us talk about Millennium right now over on the main show. Uh, and uh, continue listening to that. We're going to zip through Millennium like we do. And if you have something else in mind you think should be, we should be watching, or any comments in general, send us a line over at ProfilingCriminalMinds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If you were listening to us on an app or podcatcher, please remember to rate and review it. Uh, that's how people find the show. Also, consider going back, if you're a new listener, and listening to Style Section, our spin-off Wise Guy podcast. If if you're looking for another show that hates cops uh, as much <laughs> as Cop Rock does, and more importantly, has a ton of Dennis Lipscomb playing effectively the same character, go check out... Uh, uh, go check Wise out Wise Guy. We think we think you're gonna have a good time with it. All right, so we'll see you back here uh, Thursday for the new episode of Millennium. But until then, I'll say that's right. Au revoir and have a good week. Mm-hmm.